coming to you from beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Promoting peace, healthy living, and happiness. It's the Peace Podcast with host Barbara Gon Mueller. What an honor to have you come join us on peacepodcast.org. I'm Barbara Gonmuller, your host, and you are in for an awakening today, a wild awakening made possible by Anne Baring, our guest. You are on peacepodcast.org. Each guest is going to help you deeply understand the link between peace, healthy living, and happiness. You're going to be inspired by the life's experiences that they have had in the books they've written. But today, Anne Baring, my very special guest, let me introduce her because I want you to know how much I have appreciated this woman. I met her at La Casa de Maria. We were having a very special conference with Dr. Robert Mueller, my late husband. Anne Baring said, why did I fly clear across the world to be at La Casa de Maria in order to, and then she said, now I know why, to meet Dr. Robert Mueller. After she got home, she wrote me an email. And in that email, she said his energy and her energy combined, it was one of the most powerful conferences I have ever been to. And I thank you and I welcome you. I remember that very well. Thank you that you kept a note of it all these years. I couldn't throw that piece of paper away. I printed out your email. And I read it all of the time because I had 23 years of inspiration with that man. I didn't marry him right away because I thought, he's 20 years older. What a stupid idea. And I thought, nope, if I even have 10 minutes with him, it's the best 10 minutes of my life. And you know you have that three-second window sometime. Do you have find you find that intuition telling you to do something? Yeah, absolutely, yes. <laughs> I well telling me to write that book. That was not exactly a, a the concept. book. Let me hold this up. Audience, you must see. See the beautiful blue background she has? This is the beautiful blue book that took her 20 years to write. Can I hold up the new, the new cover, Barbara? Oh, yes. Oh, look at that. The Dream of the Cosmos, A Quest for the Soul. This is a beautiful cover. Thank you. And this is the new version. That's the new printing. It's, it's an up-to-date. It's not really uh, new, but it's got new things in it and up-to-date. And that was printed in April, so it's very recent. I'm going to read by that. I just bought this one, and it's full of lines and underlines and stickies. And yeah. Because I keep thinking, if I read this wisdom, I'll know what to do with my life. The ground for her work, or the ground for Anne's work, is this deep interest in history, as well as the spiritual mythological traditions that she brings into this book. The sense of communication between us and the invisible world, the veil, the veil is very thin. And she talks about how we can tap into that veil. I always call them the unemployed saints. But she talks a little more mythical. You know, she brings in the source of her groundwork is called life. Anne lives in Winchester near the UK. And I'm going to start with something very special. What does peace mean to you, Anne? Peace means the tranquility of the heart, I think, after thousands of years of war and killing and distrust and fear, 
So peace means the restoration of the harmony of the heart, I think. Yeah, that's almost like a channeling statement. The harmony of the heart. You know, as I read your book, I kept finding these multi-layered definitions, but they were so simply put. You know, like you say, the peace is the, say it again, peace is the... The harmony of the heart, or will be the harmony of the heart when we get there eventually. I think we're moving there pretty well, rapidly. You know, you say the harmony of the heart. I always end my emails with peace and harmony, because I think if we're in harmony with the heart, the soul the universe, the each other, and the earth. And that's what I loved about your book, because you kept talking about how we could transcend our lives into the future, and how we can bring the future into the present. Let's talk a little bit about your book. If you were to summarize your book in a few sentences, what would you say? I would say that it's um, a book about a quest, um, a heart and soul quest, and it's a historical book. It's looking at the past and why and where we went wrong 4,000 years ago. What happened before that when we were living in a much better relationship with the cosmos and how we've got to get that relationship back pretty quickly. PDQ, one says in America, yes? It is true. We have to get it back, Anne. That's why I keep reading your book. It's not going to happen if we just think about it. We have to take action. Well, we do definitely at, at every level. We have to take level uh, action at the political level, action at the level of the body, rescue the poor body from being used like a sort of um, shoe, really, doing the, the will of the master, the mind, so to speak. So we've got to get out of the habit of thinking that we can solve everything with the mind. We have to solve things with the intuition and with a heart-centered um, focus, really, of consciousness. And with that, we can open to all kinds of things. We've been, we've been closed off from nature, for, for, first of all, through religion. Religion split um, nature off from spirit. That was the first mistake. The second mistake was science, saying that there was no such thing as God, no such thing as the soul, and that nature was really there to serve us. That's been the basic message of the last 300 years. And look where we are now. Look at the planet. Look at the state of the planet. And I should think that um, Gaia, or whatever you want to call the planet, is very distressed and, and very angry. I didn't perhaps bring this into the book, but it's there. It's the unconsciousness of the state that we're living in, where we don't see what we've done and we don't see what we're doing. And uh, this needs to change and, and rapidly. So that's what my book is all about. It has the historical overview as to why we're in the present situation, why we lost the uh, connection with the earth and also with the cosmos, because in the old civilizations, they were always directed by a relationship with the cosmos, both astrologically and um, in their ceremonies, uh, which were connected to the life of the earth always, so that you had cosmos, earth, and human beings in alignment. That word alignment is very important. Alignment makes me think of something you said a couple of minutes ago, heart-centered thinking. That has intrigued me beyond belief. I talked with, you are a visioneer and you are a hero of humanity, award winner. I congratulate you. You are our hero of humanity. But when you said heart-centered thinking, it made me stop. And I got to thinking about the mind is not the mind that we want to bring our 
peace to the world with. It's the heart. And is that what you were talking about when you said heart-centered thinking? Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that's a new concept for an awful lot of people. Well, for a long time, we've been focused on the mind and developing the mind, making it an instrument of, you know, of exactly what we wanted to shape, really, in our environment. And we've ne completely neglected the heart. We've gone up here and all down here has been neglected, including the whole body. But also there's very interesting um, understanding now about the two hemispheres of the brain. And we've been focused on the left hemisphere, which is the sequential, you know, one thing after another right. kind of consciousness. The one they teach us about in college. Yeah, and the imagination has been neglected. Mm -hmm. the, the right hemisphere, which is, would really connect us to a much greater um, whole or a, a greater entity, if you like, of the cosmic entity, that's been neglected. And because that's been shut down, it's almost as if we shut the door on it, we're too much focused on the left hemisphere, too much focused on rational thinking, which is not rational because it leaves out a whole chunk of the unconscious. As a Jungian, I should say that because I'm a Jungian analyst. And it's like an, um, saying that you're not aware of all the icebergs under the sea. You can't go sailing across the sea unless you're aware of the icebergs. And what happened to the Titanic, we know that. So um, that's what it's all about, moving from that focus up here to much more of a focus of in on feeling, which doesn't mean that you have to be overwhelmed by feeling, but just that you have to take account of feeling in what you're doing. Are you balancing feeling with thinking? Are you... Um, focused in the right kind of unified way of approaching your life? Or are you only saying, how do I get from A to B? Heart-centered thinking, I think would describe Robert Mueller, my late husband, very carefully because he woke up every morning and had to write, 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 write. And it was coming from his heart. And it did not come from right here, even though he was very logical and he wrote the peace plan for 2050 and all of the other good things because he was quite bright. And I always felt that it was his heart that was talking to me. Like he would just tell me how much he loved me. Then he would go right. Though it's opened up his heart. Hmm, that, I'm sure that's right. You're a very lucky woman. To have had that I sure was. And am. Heart because many men find great difficulty opening their hearts to women in particular, because uh, they're too frightened to do so in case they make fools of themselves or in case something goes wrong in the relationship. But well, that's, that... that's very important what you said. And also, if you're in touch with the heart, then your brain works better. They've discovered this. When you have the, the line going from the heart to the brain, the brain functions in a much better way, in a much more holistic way. Otherwise, it's, it's like it's starved of energy if you're only focused up here. Um, and not down here as well. Absolutely so you, right. I went, uh, Gloria, go ahead, please. I so wanted I'm to tell sure, you a I'm little. Sure, uh, your husband, Robert, I'm sure that this is what happened with him. He was in touch with his heart, the feelings came through, and then he was able to translate them into what he wanted to do in a, in a uh, you know, in an intellectual sense. He could make there's something. There's something about what you're saying. I know you've made a lot of speeches, but do you notice that the audience resonates with you because you're speaking from your heart, that there's a, a, a chemistry that goes on because you're using your heart? Have you noticed that? Yes, I have, because I often, I usually read my talks because my memory is not so good, but every now and then I stop and then I make a little remark, which immediately connects me to the audience. Right. And then I go on with my, my actual, whatever the talk is about. 
but it's very important that because we're all human beings connected to each other. And the more we can connect, uh, the, the more um, response one will get from people. And obviously, they're pleased that you pay attention to what they might be feeling <laughs> and noticing it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I could, we, you know, I have to share a story. May I share a little story with you? Yeah, um, Robert and I were um, offered a trip to Japan. And he was going to receive an award. And um, one of the Japanese leaders wanted to put his most of all, they taught me happiness into Japanese. And so we went there for the grand opening of the book, most of all, they taught me happiness. And there were um, billboards all over Japan with the book and this Japanese and my husband. Well, we were treated like queens and kings. And because, you know, people really believe in happiness. Happiness is what the Japanese believe in. And that's how they could forgive us for everything that happened during World War II, because they wanted happiness more than they wanted to have anger. Long story short, we go to the Sumer Wrestler Auditorium. We're standing in this tiny little stage with all these people squashed together in these tiny little square boxes, which is called the family box. And Robert makes his speech and plays his harmonica, the ode to joy. And I stand up and it's my turn to speak. And I say, I'm getting chills because I'm talking 3,000, 4,000 people. And I say, my heart is here for you. I got a standing ovation with my heart is here for you. I didn't have to say any more. I stopped talking. I was done. <laughs> what a lovely thing to say, though, and then straight to the heart. So absolutely wonderful. <laughs> and they all felt it. And I feel I'm getting chills now because that was the most powerful moment, I think, of all the years I had with Robert. And, and, and there were so many moments like that because he would start his speeches with the ode to joy, do, 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 do on the 10 whole harmonica and the whole audience would just roar. And now if you go to peacepodcast.org, you can hear that harmonica. You may want to join me on my little blog there and listen to Robert because I had to put it there. I had to let everybody who goes to peacepodcast.org listen to this man and how he inspires you with his songs and his music. What inspires you? What keeps you going, Anne? Um, I think the love of humanity, love of the planet, and the feeling that I have to continue with this work of, of whatever I'm giving out in whatever way I can for as long as I can. But I love music too. I haven't had enough time to listen to music and I love classical music particularly. And I love reading. I read, as you can see from that book, I've read hundreds of books to, <laughs> to be able to. <laughs> Not only has she read hundreds of books, she's written seven books. This woman has never been idle. We, before the conversation today, I asked her uh, if she was glad she married an artist because when a man is busy, you can do your work and you can have these moments oh, of peace I and quiet. Yeah, we've each done our work in our own separate ways, and he's never interfered with mine, I've never interfered with him. I make no comment on his work, but it's perfect harmony. We've been married over 60 years, so it's harmony. Congratulations. You have the magic to make it work. Um, it is work, isn't it, to be in a marriage? Yeah, it is. And there's also the, the routine of the everyday, the cooking and the shopping and the this and the that, and seeing things working properly, and the plumbing's not going to cause problems and all that has to be attended to. <laughs> Are you finding the same thing with this COVID-19 that we're experiencing a new quiet on the planet and a yeah. new upset too? 
Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me, you know, the story of the Sleeping Beauty. It reminds me that the whole court of humanity has been put under a spell. And we, yeah, we're, we're under a spell and we can't move, so to speak. And there's no noise. There's no airplane noise. There's very little car noise, although it's starting up again. Um, there's no children noise, which is sad because there's no schools. And, you know, it, it's as if everything has fallen silent, as if we're waiting for something, as if we're waiting for something that's going to happen or change because this is the time when we could change we can make the change if we think about it enough and make this connection to nature and make the connection to a deeper level in ourselves uh, which used to be called soul <laughs> and you have given me a new word we're under a spell i never thought about that i have never i'm sorry to say this people who are listening been happier why the universe around me my neighborhood is quiet i see the universe do, is responding to this quiet i see nature responding and i am glorified by the fact that i can walk into my garden and i don't hear blowers i don't hear lawnmowers because everybody can't do what they used to do That's and right. i love it it is extraordinary though there's a, and also the more birds in the garden and more even the flowers look happier <laughs> You know, I had, um, I am new, I'm now the president of the Rotary E-Club of World Peace. Why? Because there's 35,000 Rotary Clubs, Anne, and I believe that if we work together, that's millions of Rotarians working for peace. That's why I'm president. Long story short, the other day, a friend of mine came over and handed me the bell. He had to drive because we can't, you know, really get together anymore. And so he handed me the Rotary Bell and I took him to my backyard. He just stopped. He didn't say a word because the flowers, the agapanthas, the fruit trees, everything is just bursting with their joy right now. Yeah, and, and with the feeling of health, they look healthy and sort of really strong. I've noticed that really quite, quite remarkably. This And it's happening to me too, Anne. Like I am more strong, I'm more present, I'm available. And it's because I don't have the hustle and bustle around me to take my time away from me to take my time away from me bless you for understanding that yeah the the, the Taoists call that the ten thousand things that take up too much time in our lives and they said just leave the ten thousand things and concentrate on what's really important which is the soul and the relationship with nature and that the, was a great lesson to us and how do you make sure you do that well i love routine sorry do you have a routine that makes you, or is it intuition? What, lead, what guides you, Anne? I think it's just the feeling of what feels right at a particular time of day. So there's a time for writing. I'm still doing a lot of writing. I do that in the morning. Then there's a time for going out and maybe having a walk. And then there's a time for shopping one once a week <laughs> because I can't go out. <laughs> and then there's a time for preparing meals in the evening and having time with my husband to just sit in the evening together that's mm -hmm. nice so there's a time for everything as the bible said a time for doing this a time for doing that and and you get in the rhythm and you but if you're distracted by too much internet or too much telephone or too much people in your life you get nothing done you're just in a state of confusion really but i'm speaking as an introvert and us culture is extrovert absolutely without a question People enjoy going out with people 
much more than I do. I like being by myself and with myself and with my husband sort of thing. But I understand the need to be with people. And of course, this has been blocked off. This is why we've been under a spell because we haven't been able to go out and meet and, and meet in restaurants and all sorts of places, particularly the young. So it's been very difficult from that point of view. It's, it's brought us up short um, and made us think, I think, a bit more. You know, that's very interesting you say that because I think um, sometimes being so busy is an escape from who you are. And this time when you can't just go out to a restaurant, escape from that moment when you need to eat in order to have a conversation. You know, I really think that this is a time for us to rethink some of the priorities in our life. And I, my priority is alone time. I need that alone time to bring mm -hmm. me to who I am so that my life means something. Well, I think, you know, Jung spoke of something he called the spirit of the depths. He said there's the spirit of the times, which is the level of the kind of superficial culture. And there's the spirit of the depths. And if you don't allow any time to listen to the voice of the spirit of the depths, you miss half of life or even three quarters of life. And that's such a lovely image of listening to the spirit of the depths, I think, because unless we know we have depths, we're not going to listen. <laughs> and I think you have just summarized why so many people are agitated right now. They haven't discovered their depth. They haven't discovered their bond to their inner soul, to their inner heart, and to their inner knowing, and to their inner want. You know, they say, know what you want and you will get it. If what you want is peace and quiet like I wanted, then I find Robert come, I'm sorry, I was with Robert for 23 years, and now Sig Watney's in my life. And I, he, I, we attract who we are too. I wanna make that message really clear. Um, to attract who you are and attract, be who you are so that you can attract what you want in your life. Is that kind of your model too? Uh, yes, although it's not so conscious. I know it's very much part of the uh, general feeling now that you make your idea of your goal and then you move towards it and things happen. But they don't happen unless you're really in touch with your depths. Then they happen. You get synchronicities, you get intuitive insights like your husband did and you get a direction in your life, you get guidance, and, and people need guidance, that's what's missing. So if you have time for just quiet and listen to that voice, write down, write down what you hear, um, write down um, whatever thoughts occur to you, and keep a sort of um, a journal or a diary of these thoughts. It doesn't have to be a lot of thoughts, just one a day would be plenty. Even a sentence a day would do it. I find <laughs> myself today, right when I was getting ready for our conversation, and it takes me time to get ready because I have to be in that right mental set and I have to make sure the lights are right and my lipstick's on and all the other things. Long story short, I was in such gratitude that I could do that for mm. every step of the way. I could walk out of the room and do what I needed to do, check my microphone, and all the people who make this possible, my IT man, Tony, everybody, I was in such, I started writing in my gratitude journal, I couldn't write fast enough for all the gratitude I was feeling, and then my great gratitude was being with you, Anne. I'm so grateful for you. I know some people who are born in 1931 are retiring and they're watching TV. I want to thank you for not doing that. I want to thank you for working hard and giving us your message. And I, 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 this, I cut this page out and I made a copy of it in your book. It's page 264. Now, this book is not a short book. 
This book. <laughs> it's not a short book. <laughs> it's, a, it's a book for dipping into. It's a book for dipping into, not for reading from cover to cover. It's a book you step into when you need it. I stepped into page 264, and it says right here, Young, shortly before he died, gave us hope for the future, reminding us that what seems of supreme importance to one's own life path, and this is you, Anne, may not ultimately have value for the world as well. Now, that's actually on page 265. And then she quotes about using your heart how to understand that she gives us more reading that we can do. But in each, there is at least a few individuals that understands that man's task consists of and keeps its tradition for future generation and a time with when insight has reached a deeper and more general level. And I think that's where we are now on our planet. I think so, because we've developed the intellect. We don't need more brain power, we, but we do need heart power. And I think we're at that cr uh, crucial stage of, of having to make a choice. Uh, this is a, a critical time of choice, really, where we have to choose a different way of living and a different way of relating to the planet and a different way of relating to each other. I mean, God help us with, look what's going on in Hong Kong, look what's going on in the Middle East and what's been going on in America, um, with the whole situation of the um, people of color rising up in rage. It, but that's good rage in a way, because it, this has been s sat upon for two or three hundred years. It's got to come up, but it's, it's got to be held with understanding and with love above everything else. Love is the key, and we've got to understand that love extends from our dogs and our children, which gives us a feeling of what love is but it's got to extend to the whole of humanity and it's got to bring up these terrible wounds that humanity has carried and heal them and if it doesn't come up into consciousness that it can't be healed and they just fester that is so beautifully said if i were to take one portion of this podcast and put it in writing that's where i'd put it what you just now said the healing that will take place with love because we have to look at what isn't working we have to look at the atrocities and the sadness that we have created by our greed and by our wanting to have more and and by not paying attention to nature I always, I, when I was on the Future Society, I said I wanted to start a company, not a company so much, but a movement, United Nature. If we look at nature, we learn so much. And nature doesn't destroy each other. They just work in harmony. That's why evolution works so well, because you learn. And I think we're at that evolutionary stage, right, Anne? I, I think we are. And I think we need a new security council in honor of nature. And get rid of all this particular political rubbish of getting onto the Security Council and getting thinking you're in power and everything. We need to drop all that power um, stuff and get into relationship and love. Oh, absolutely. I have my my masseuse always tells me, and I don't go anymore, but I'm still doing okay. Um, she says if when the love of power is replaced by the power of love then we will have the kind of word we need, world we need. And she believes, and I do too, that kindness and love go together. Gratitude goes out of gratitude comes the love that you need for your whatever's happening in your life. And mm -hmm. even the things that don't work, teach us something. 
Absolutely, they do. We learn all the time if we have an open mind. And uh, there's so many things that one can love when you, when you really think about it. And even that, that rage that came up, it's all about love uh, for that poor man who died. You know, it's, 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 it's rage. But who did he call out for, Anne? He called out for his grandmother. His mother, his mother. Was his mama. mother? Mama, it, mama. It was mama. Yeah. That just stopped me in my path. Just stopped yeah. me in my path. I said, we have to pay attention to the rage that we have created in a whole generation, more generations than we even know. And so Anne is one of those very special women on our planet. I, I started my conversation with her oh, a few months back about the feminine. Is the feminine going to really help us bring the love that we need and the kindness and to help us save our planet. And I think what you said to me, why don't you just talk a couple of seconds about that and then we'll close with your final words. Well, the feminine is a very complex subject because the feminine consists mainly of soul, nature, matter, body, and woman. But there's so much to each of those that one could expand on those, but the feminine as such won't cure anything. We have to understand that the feminine is about relationships. It's not about power. It's not about the power of women. It's about the capacity of women to um, increase every kind of relationship with every kind of um, group or person or thing or with the, the, the life around them or anything. It's to do with focusing in a different way on diff a different, um, give us a different reason for being on the planet. We've been through the whole stage of power and domination and control. That is finished now. It's got to finish. And we need to move into a new phase of understanding we're on the planet to serve. We're to, here to serve life. We're here to serve each other. We're here to serve all the people that have been wounded by us and by the white races for the last God knows how long. All this, it's, it, it's no good uh, knocking down statues. You have to have a deep, really spiritual conversion in the way we look upon why we're here on the planet i think i would end with that why we are here on the planet you are listening to ann bearing annbearing.com is her website and i'm barbara gon mueller and i am just quiet now quiet with the reflection of what i just heard and i hope you'll take a moment to invite your friends to watch this often and, and have a conversation about what we heard from Ann Baring today. AnnBaring.com has so much on her website. It's a beautiful website. You'll get lost in it like I have. Ann, I want to thank you again. Is there any last word you'd like to say? I would just like to say thank you because it's lovely to be given the opportunity to speak. <laughs> my pleasure. It's always my pleasure to welcome our guests. We have many people who view us over and over again. And again, I'm just honored that Anne took the time to let us understand her soul and her, her soul thinking and her heart thinking and her mind thinking and her beautiful book, The Dream of the Cosmos, A Quest for the Soul. Put it on your desk, open it often, and remember, each of us have the power to change our lives and to change our world. And as Jung said, in the path may ultimately have value whatever we choose to the world as well and just put that on your thinking you have value you are valuable you are a peacemaker and you are one of our destiny 
and beautiful people who was born for a reason. Love you. And thank you, Anne, for joining us. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.